welcome to a um, poetry reading and I wanted to um, read to you one of my very favorite poems. Um, it's by Octavio Paz, or Paz, um, and it's called Reading John Cage. Read, unread, music without measurements, sounds passing through circumstances. Within me, I hear them passing outside. Outside me, I see them passing with me. I am the event. Music, I hear within what I see outside. I see within what I hear outside. Duchamp, I can't hear myself hearing. I am an architecture of instantaneous sounds on a space that disintegrates. Everything we come across is to the point. Music invents silence. Architecture invents space. Factories of air. Silence is the space of music. A confined space. There is no silence except in the mind. Silence is an idea, the fixed idea of music. Music is not an idea. It is movement, sounds walking over the silence. Not one sound fears the silence that extinguishes it. Silence is music. Music is not silence. Nirvana is samsara. Samsara is not nirvana. Knowledge is not knowledge. A recovery of ignorance, the knowledge of knowledge. It is not the same hearing the footsteps of the afternoon among the trees and houses and seeing this same afternoon among the same trees and houses now after reading Silence, Nirvana is Samsara. Silence is music. Let life obscure the difference between art and life. Music is not silence. It is not saying what silence says. It is saying what it doesn't say. Silence has no meaning. Meaning has no silence. Without being heard, music slips between the two. Every something is an echo of nothing. In the silence of my room, the murmur of my body, unheard, one day I will hear its thoughts. The afternoon has stopped. And yet, it goes on. My body hears the body of my wife, a cable of sound, and answers. This is called music. Music is real. Silence is an idea.
John Cage is Japanese and is not an idea. He is sun on snow. Sun and snow are not the same. Sun is snow, and snow is snow, or sun is not snow, nor is snow snow, or John Cage is not American. USA is determined to keep the free world free. USA determined, or John Cage is American, that the USA may become just another part of the world, no more, no less. Snow is not sun. Music is not silence. Sun is snow. Silence is music. The situation must be yes and no, not either or. Between silence and music, art and life, snow and sun, there is a man. That man is John Cage, committed to the nothing in between. He says a word, not snow, not sun, a word, which is not silence. A year from Monday, you will hear it. The afternoon has become invisible. So this poem has been a favorite for some years now. And I think it's first appealed to me was just kind of these just playing around in in these paradoxes of music and silence um, the concept of you know music without measurements um, and where we kind of fit um, in this place of music and silence and these factories of air in the space of music and I think ultimately what this poem hits on for me is I have a personal obsession with resonance and just you know the basic idea that our entire reality is um, based on vibrations and frequencies, you know, that, you know, we're not, nothing is really solid, but everything is in constant vibration, constant motion, and in really operating at different realms of frequency. And I'm curious about becoming sensitive to different ways of experiencing frequencies, um, I'm right now reading a book about the ancient sound or ancient language of sound and it's it's a beautiful book about um, just you know how 
ancient and indigenous people all over the world, especially he focuses, the author focuses on um, the, the peoples who built Newgrange um, in Ireland, so, you know, even pre-Celtic, and just how that whole structure was built around tapping into these frequencies as a way to become not only entranced, but to transform. And so using sound as a way to transform, to access different states of consciousness. So anyway, back to the poem. Um, you know, I think this read and unread, how the poem just begins, read, unread. And it just opens up right up with an invitation to change our perspective. You know, to, as you read something, to immediately unread it. And in a way, you know, it's not even possible to unread something. But I think it's just an invitation to always come to something with that beginner's mind, as if you've never approached it before. And I think you know, something that's so common in our lives, something like music. Um, you know, we think we know it, we think we know what it does, and this is an invitation to ask us to, to come new to the experience of music and silence. Um, you know, that silence is where the music emerges from. I love one of my favorite composers. He's an Estonian composer, Arvo Pert. Um, he talks about how when he's composing, that each note is, is valuable. Each note that he's drawing into the composition, you know, he talks about how that note has existed forever and he's just kind of tapping into this this realm of frequencies and just kind of pulling it out and I, you know as you know we think of reading and unreading and I, it's just this as we constantly try to see things with new eyes or you know, sense things differently. I feel like it's an invitation to allow new ideas to emerge. It's a really creative, imaginative process. Um, you know, and in the poem he says, you know, I just, it's a really lovely, calming image when he writes within me, and he's talking about the, the sounds that are passing through circumstances, and I love that idea of sounds passing through circumstances, which is, which is a really beautiful way of just explaining our existence, that we are just sounds, these vibrations passing through circumstances. And then he says, within me, I hear them passing outside. Outside me, I see them passing 
with me. And it's, I, I really, you know, it's, it reminds us and it reminds me that our senses, our ability to sense has become so um, numbed and you know often in children and even still in some people and especially in some indigenous cultures you know people talk about um, hearing colors or seeing sound and it seems so strange and bizarre to us but it's like at some point that was a sensibility that was refined for us and our senses weren't so limited and so these lines in this poem, you know, about these sounds passing through circumstances that within me I hear them passing outside. So just stopping and thinking of just, you know, these circumstances that are happening all around us, they are these frequencies that are passing through us and they're affecting us and they're, you know, our bodies you know, as everything comes at us and through us, our bodies are attempting to respond to find some kind of harmony um, with everything that happens around us. And I think, I honestly believe that that's why we have more and more illness and disease is just the disharmony of our modern life and the sound, not only the sounds that are passing through us, you know, our world is so noisy, um, and, but I just, you know, even now, just all these electronics that were around, and it's just, I think this is why it's more and more important to do the simple things like, you know, bare feet in the grass, and, and allowing ourselves as much silence as possible, you know, for five, ten minutes a day, just turning everything off, just listening to the sound of the breath, just so that we can start to recall and reclaim these sensitivities. Um, you know, and after he says these lines within me, I hear them passing outside. Outside me, I see them passing with me. I am the event. Music, I hear within what I see outside. I see within what I hear outside. <laughs> and I, I love this just reminder, you know, I am the event. You know, often we want these peak experiences or go to these performances or want to be entertained we go to these things that in some ways, you know, depending on what it is and where we're at, you know, can really enlighten us and spark our imagination. But in other ways, and I think a lot of the times, they're just more distractions from ourselves. And I love this idea of like, I am the event. Nar and I don't think this has any sort of narcissism. I think it's this sense of wonder of just pausing to think about all the sounds and the things that are passing through us, um, these resonances and these frequencies, these intelligences, and 
you know, that our body is this resonant vessel, just capturing, you know, these, these things that coming from, you know, literally stars in the universe, you know, every, every happening in this universe puts out a frequency, you know, puts out, radiates something and we're constantly radiating our own frequencies and vibrations, but we're also constantly absorbing. And it's just magic to me to just, you know, where, where and how are all these different frequencies passing through me? And, um, yeah, I am the event. And it's a reminder that I don't have to go very far at all have a peak experience of wonder and awe and to feel a sense of belonging and deep connection um, and that I am in constant relationship with with really incredible happenings and things so um, it's a good reminder, especially when I feel like, you know, when you get into those existential places, which I think a lot of us have been in over the past year plus um, during the pandemic. But um, moving on in the poem, you know, he says, I am an architecture of instantaneous sounds on a space that disintegrates. I am an architecture of instantaneous sounds on a space that disintegrates. And I'm just, um, I love this, again, a paradox, you know, this architecture, you know, this structure. And that's, there is something about our bodies that, you know, this vessel, um, you know, architecture feels you know, like the masculine side of this, but a more feminine side of it is that, you know, that vessel. Um, this might seem like a tangent, but it's coming up for me is thinking of the um, importance of cauldrons in the Celtic tradition, ancient Celtic tradition, and um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but there's a cauldron. Um, that they found in an archaeological dig, and it's it's a, it's a more famous one, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, it's it's inscribed with these myth, mythical stories and, and characters, and it was this idea of just, you know, stories were so important, and they would, you know, these cauldrons were used for cooking the food, and it's this idea of the hearth and gathering around the hearth where the food is cooking and telling stories. And these cauldrons would be passed down from generation to generation and they held within them these, the generations of stories. And, you know, I think that of our bodies as that same kind of vessel. Um, you know, with the more that researchers are finding out about epigenetics, you know, that we inherit trauma. I also like to remind myself, well, if we inherit trauma, we also inherit resilience. 
Um, so, but there's stories there, and our bodies carry those, and and this being an architecture of instantaneous sounds, I feel like, you know, even within my own body, supposedly, that I'm supposed to know so well because it's mine, I feel like it's such a mystery to me because I find myself reacting or responding to situations in ways that sometimes feel overwhelming as if, you know, where is this coming from? Why do I have such a deep emotion around this situation or this circumstance? And more and more I'm realizing like, oh, this might be a generational response, um, something I've inherited. And you know, investigating that and <laughs> trying to learn how to decide, you know, is this a response I want to continue or is it time for a new response? You know, can I... That's what I love about the tradition of oral storytelling versus, you know, the written text is with oral tradition, it's stories are alive and they have, they adapt with each generation what the generation needs and I think we're obsessed with this like you know recording everything and getting it right and what do the documents say and you know we have to do everything exactly or you, you can't you can't change anything right there's this resistance sometimes I feel especially because I'm I'm drawn to intellectual and academic conversations and I often feel like one of the things I um, and the most um, careful of is when when people become dogmatic about the text and um, stories and traditions and rituals and practices lose their vitality um, if we don't allow them to be changed with each generation. Anyway, so here we are in architecture of instantaneous sounds, just responding to all these frequencies coming, passing through us. But we're an you know, this being an architecture of instantaneous sounds on a space that disintegrates. And just a reminder that everything is in constant flux and change and nothing is the same from one moment to another and and yet here we are this vessel um, something about you know our how our cells and our body and everything is just I, I think it's so beautiful is this idea of our body just coming together in this harmonious resonance it's like this body truly is not only a vessel, but its own song as it responds to these circumstances. And that's how, you know, if you follow me anywhere else or read anything else I do, I'm constantly, um, not constantly, but often um, talking about or mentioning this idea of the sovereign song. And when I talk about sovereignty, I'm talking about um, the Celtic idea of sovereignty which was related to the sovereignty goddess who is 
It is the land, the embodiment of the land. And so when I talk about a sovereign song, it's not me saying, you know, this independent person with my own song. No, it's sovereignty is relational and specifically to the earth, to the land. And so when I talk about cultivating my sovereign song, what I'm talking about is, am I resonating with this earth, this home, this, am I paying attention to her? Am I listening? You know, that's why I love going on early morning, morning walks alone is it's my chance to listen and to respond in a intentional and attentive way. Um, yeah, so it's just, I don't know, our bodies are magic, they are an architecture, they are a vessel. Um, again, these paradoxes, you know, music invents silence. You know, the music stops, or I shouldn't say stops, it just, it moves on, right? It's always there, but it's just not now within our range, our frequency range. When the music, you know, with a, it's just this referential point for silence, you know. It's the way we understand silence is the absence of sound. So music invents silence. Architecture, like architecture invents space, right? So you have these open spaces maybe in nature, you don't necessarily think about the space until you've put a structure around it. I think obviously even the ancients had some concept of this, you know, as they were building their sacred sites and temples and, um, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think where to move on to next. I've been talking for a while now. Um, I think. Hmm. I guess just kind of on the this idea of our bodies as these vessels or that are just resonating. One of the most beautiful parts of this poem for me is um you know, he talks about this relationship with his wife. You know, in the silence of my room. The murmur of my body, unheard. One day I will hear its thoughts. The afternoon has stopped, and yet it goes on. My body hears the body of my wife. A cable of sound. And answers. This is called music. Oh no, for me this is like such a beautiful image of, you know, here's this man lying next to his wife in the bed and he's, he's in the silence of the room but with the murmur of his body which is unheard. It's just a reminder, it's like, yeah, the murmur, the sounds, the resonances, we don't always hear them but we feel them. So 
So here he is lying in bed and feeling the murmur of his body, which is, you know, and it's the afternoon, so, <laughs> you know, here they are just lying together in the afternoon, I imagine, you know, some kind of siesta moment. And he says the afternoon has stopped, and yet it goes on. I think, you know, I think when we start to tap more and more into these different realms of frequency and we slow down, I really, like, we have so much time if we could enter into these different concepts of time. You know, I feel like our modern way of living on this linear time is what makes things speed up and makes us so anxious and we forget that time we have so much time if we just slow down <laughs> take time to have naps with our beloveds in the afternoon um, the afternoon has stopped and yet it goes on reminds me of a line from a W.S. Merwin poem um, called the new song and the, the line is um, there is no time yet it grows less right and that's there is no time there is no linear and so I think that's like what he's saying like, there is no time and yet it grows less and I think you know the time that grows less is just this linear time whereas I think real time is constantly increasing and abundant and there's so much of it and I try to remind myself of this daily as I get caught up in linear time and feeling like I'm not doing enough and just, um, yeah, so here he is laying with his wife and his body hears the body of his wife. So again, it's unheard, but this hearing is a feeling. And the, you know, it's a cable of sound. Here's these two bodies, these cables of sounds transmitting these frequencies between each other. And his body hears the body of his wife and it answers. And I, you know, can imagine what that answer is. You know, and it's that, that love making, that coming together where time doesn't exist. You know, where you're just so deep in the moment. This is called music. Music is real. Silence is an idea. And for me, it's, you know, as, um, as a single person, like this moment just really touches me and is comfort and hopeful and beautiful in that just a reminder that you know that that human connection is music and even when I'm not in relationship there's in the same way that these notes you know like I was saying Arvo Parts says Parrot says you know, these sounds, they already exist, you know, they're just kind of emerging into our consciousness when we pull them out, uh, you know, 
as we play an instrument or listen to music. And so I feel like the same, I believe in the same with a relationship, you know. When we talk about loneliness, um, just like silence is just an idea, it's just a concept. There's really no such thing as silence, right? These sounds, even if we can't hear them, they're vibrating all around us. These frequencies, they're already there, you know, and it just, and so I always think too, um, when I'm having moments of loneliness, these relationships already exist. And yes, like, I sure do appreciate and value my relationship with friends, family, with the earth, and those are very... But I'm also, you know, I'll just be honest here, you know, I think it's completely possible to to love oneself and also want relationship. And self-love doesn't mean, you know, independence necessarily. Um, anyway, so this, this moment in the poem of just these, I think this is why I, in some ways, am so hopeful to find a lasting relationship in that. I I love the idea of just the songs and the resonances that you can pick up on by spending a life with someone in these really mundane moments of just lying together, sitting together, or being in the same room, or even when you're not in the same room, that somehow there are these harmonies and frequencies that are happening between you. Um, and they're shaping you and transforming you. And I think it's a really holy experience. So, I don't know, I just, I think that's definitely one of my favorite parts of this poem. Um, you know, and then he gets into this, you know, talking about John Cage, and I won't dive into him very much. You can Google him. Um, he's an interesting, very interesting person, twentieth mid-20th century composer who, you know, would composed songs that were just silence and that was the performance. It's just nothing. Um, very controversial, of course, but also quite interesting and definitely a, um, a philosopher as well as a composer. Um, yeah, so I don't know, I guess I'll just end with um, these last few lines of the poem, you know, he's talking, he kind of talks about John Cage in America and music, you know, snow is not sun, music is not silence, and so in a way, even though all these things were all kind of interconnected, there is this individuality with, with us and the different ways we're, we're harmonizing within our own bodies, our own individual bodies. Um, so he's talking about John Cage, and he says, you know, that man is John Cage. He's committed to the nothing in between. He says a word, not sun, well, not snow, not sun, a word, which is not silence. A year from Monday, you will hear it. 
The afternoon has become invisible. Hmm. So he says a word. I love it. It has this kind of like, he plants a seed. It's this incantation. And again, it's playing with this sense of time, you know, a year from Monday, you will hear it. And I just love this idea of this word traveling around for a year. And then you'll hear it. And and it does remind me there's, um, again, I guess back to the cauldrons, the Celtic cauldrons. Um, there's a... I'm trying to remember the exact story, but I won't um, go into the details of the story. But basically, you know, it's... In the cauldron, you know, you kind of brew together all of these things, and um, it's where knowledge, you know, there's these stories around where, you know, what's brewed in the cauldron bestows knowledge and wisdom, and, you know, the length of time you need to brew something is in order for it to become that, you know, elixir of knowledge or wisdom is, takes, you know, there's a saying, it takes a year and a day know something. And so here we have a year from Monday, you will hear it. And I just, I don't know, this also follows my own belief in like following a lunar rhythm and pattern in my life and, you know, planting a seed the springtime and seeing how it grows and giving things at least a year. You know, because then I, and then before I make any big decisions, exploring it and playing with it and trying it on and seeing how it feels and whether it's a new hobby, something with my job or a relationship for sure. Take my time with things there and and just, you know, learning something new um, takes a year and a day. So anyway, that's Reading John Cage by Octavio Paz. So hopefully that was interesting and I'll be back again with another one of these in a few days.